Hello, and welcome to Pop DNA, the podcast that explores the historical and literary roots of your favorite works of pop culture. I'm Rondo. And I'm Erin. We're talking today about Mean Girls, um, which was released in 2004. Starred Lindsay Lohan and our girlfriend, Rachel McAdams. I love her so much. <laughs> and Tina Fey. Um, and actually a lot of other really good cast Amazing members. people. It yeah. was also written by Tina Fey and directed by Mark Waters. There is literally no way we could spoil this movie at this point. Because <laughs> it's all over the internet and has been for 15, 15 years. years. So I'm yeah. not even going to bother. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, you know what I just realized... Uh, the other day is that Mean Girls has been around for half of our lives. That's absurd. <laughs> it really is it's, a reference point it for is. me, though. It's yeah, like, it's a milestone in my life. Yeah. Um, um, but speaking of which, what was your first? What was the first time you saw Mean Girls? Do you remember? Yeah, I was actually just a little younger than all of them when mm-hmm, I when sure. it came out. I was. Um, in the eighth grade. And so that's very much a social nightmare. Oh yeah. And I loved this movie because (laughs) I felt like I, I saw it in theaters because I felt like it was exactly what, even though I was a little younger, it was exactly what I felt like. Mm -hmm. I felt like Janice, the entire Janice slash the teacher character. Yeah. I had, um, I was pretty, I was, I was a little, a punker, little punker. Yeah. Um, Not in action. Just in my clothing. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? Well, I was a medieval gentlewoman, as you know, when I was in middle school. Yes. 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 Milady. Um, Um, but yeah, I remember, I was trying to remember actually the first time I saw it. I actually, I texted my cousin the other day. I was like, hey, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw Mean Girls. Did yeah. I see it with you? And she was like, she's like, I don't think so because I don't think I saw it in the theater. And then I like started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how we would have because I didn't even have my driver's license when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do remember, I do remember, um, I don't think I did actually see it in a, in a theater. Mm-hmm. I think I probably just got it, like, at Blockbuster or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do remember um, before I ever watched it, I think it was, like, out in theaters at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, my, uh, my like, church youth group because I was 2004. I think I was, like, a... I, was either, I, was a, I think I was a junior yeah. 2004. So I went to my church youth group and I was talking to like my leader and I was like, yeah, I really want to see that new movie Mean Girls. Yeah. And she like paused for a second. She's like, oh, I saw it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, was it good? Was it funny? And she's like, I. she was like super like, I don't know. It was weird. She was like, like she didn't like it. And she was like, yeah. I didn't, uh, you know, like, it just made me feel like those girls, they were just so mean to each other. And I'm like, it's called Mean Girls. Right. What did you expect? And I hadn't even seen it yet. And I yeah. was like 16 years old. It's interesting because it is a pretty honest depiction of how people speak to each other and bully. Yeah. So I can understand how maybe an educator especially would mm-hmm. be like, oh, geez. Yeah. Like, what and is I happening? Could, yeah. And like, looking back now, I can see mm-hmm. she was probably like in her head, she's probably going, "Okay, this is a girl that I'm mentoring. She sure. wants to see this movie where there's girls bullying each other." Yeah, what do I say? I yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then, like, yeah, so I can totally see that now. But like at the time, yeah, I did end up seeing it like pretty soon after it came out on DVD. Yeah, um, and I like just laughed sure. the whole time. Yeah. I just thought yeah, it was yeah, hilarious, yeah. and I think that it kind of maybe was because I, you know was a medieval gentlewoman. Yes. <laughs> like, I just, like, didn't really care what anyone thought. Absolutely. Well, and you and yeah. I have talked about this, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it again later. Um, but, like, I I think I told you about, like, there was one time, well, one girl in middle school who, like, I think she was, like, trying to bully me, <laughs> but I just didn't care. So yeah. It didn't, so she stopped. Totally. <laughs> and that's, like, my one experience with it. Yeah. So I don't know, like, what's wrong with me, but... No, that's amazing. <laughs> I was, like, Janice Ian with, like, 
feeling every word that anyone said to me was like, oh. why would you say hi to me that right, way? Like, right. I was very, like, <laughs> I don't, socially anxious, I suppose. Um, so I think that's why this this movie was like, yeah, there are mean girls. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like them. And I was younger. I was like, sure, yeah, sure, was, yeah. It was all new. Yeah. Um, so would you say that you hmm. were... Uh, in Rosalind Wiseman's uh, terms, were you a target? I would. I would say that there were times when I got to be kind of a floater. Uh-huh, okay. But then I would maybe, like, it would take a week and then I'd be back to... T- and then I found my, like, I always had my close friends, but these were mm-hmm. in, like, new friends I was trying to make. I was sure. often the target. But then in our sure, close sure. friendships that I'd known since I was six, like, we were fine and people were great, but... <laughs> And if you're confused about these terms that we're throwing out here, target and floaters. So, um, Rosalind Wiseman's book, Queen Bees and Wannabes, um, is the book that was the inspiration for Tina Fey's screenplay for Mean Girls. Um, and it's not, it's interesting. It's not like when I first heard that, like, she based it on a book. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that it was a novel. Me too. Um, but it's not at no. all. It's um, it's actually like a parenting book. And it's kind of like, it's written for parents of middle school and high school girls and yeah. kind of like giving them kind of like an inside view of what, um, what you know, like the social scene is like for teenage girls so they yeah. can help their daughters navigate um, high wow. school. And so Wiseman, um, like, it's so funny. Like I kind of like, I kind of, I got the book from the library and I kind of like skimmed. Yeah. I read the parts that I felt like would be relevant <laughs> to me. Yes. Girls. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read the whole thing. Um, yeah. but I did like, I read the part where she kind of breaks down like the different roles that girls play mm-hmm. in a social setting. That's fascinating. Um, and yeah. this is, like, not just, like, with the popular group, but with, like, other cliques as well. Like, it could be, like, the same and, like, you know, the drama group That's might have were. Yeah. a queen bee mm-hmm. and a sidekick. Um, but, yeah, so the different roles, there's a few different ones. We don't have to go super into detail, but the queen bee, um, I think that's pretty self-explanatory it's you know she's the leader of the pack and she's like the popular one at least popular within the group she yeah. might not be popular in the whole school but sure. like say like within you know like the within the choir geeks they have their own they queen have bee. Their one. yeah yeah um and then the sidekick is kind of like the second in command mm-hmm. so i was trying to think of so obviously in the movie regina is the queen bee i was trying to think of who is her sidekick though sure because it like it could be Gretchen or it could be Karen. Yeah. Um, but I think they because there's Wiseman has like a lot of different archetypes in here. I think they kind of condensed Tina Fey maybe condensed them yeah. into one character. And because um, yeah. I wonder if you can be more than one, you I'm know, sure you like can. as the group yeah. dynamic Well, and changes. like you said, like yeah. you kind of flipped between mm-hmm. like the floater/champion and the target. By the people um, who were nice to me, I was a floater, the right. people who thought I was dumb, <laughs> it was the target. Yeah. Um but then the banker, this is a really interesting type. Um so I think that Gretchen is mostly this. Because um, remember at the beginning when, uh, like, Damien and Janice are introducing or, like, telling Katie about the plastics. Yeah. And Gretchen walks onto the field and Damien's, like, uh, he's, like, that's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. Because yes! <laughs> the banker is the one who, like, has all the dirt on everybody. Like, Ooh, she has all yeah. the gossip. Um, oh, she, uh, so Wiseman says she gains trust by dishing the details, Ugh. but then uses the gained intelligence for her own benefit when the time is right. And I'm like, yeah, that's definitely, Gross. that's definitely <laughs> yeah. Gretchen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we talked about the floater slash champion. So, um, this is the one who associates, this is what Wiseman says, um, associates with more than one group. She's respected because she does not rule by meanness. If needed, she will stand up to the queen bee. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we have the torn bystander. This is an interesting one, too. Um, so that's, like, 
the one who wants to stand up, but she doesn't feel like she can because then she might become the target. Yeah, sure. Um, and then uh, we have, this is an interesting combination, pleaser slash wannabe slash messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we see, we also see Gretchen fall into this as well. Um, because she, so it says, sometimes part of the group, but other times on the outside trying to get in. Yeah. Um, she'll do anything to gain acceptance from the queen bee, oh, yeah. which is definitely Gretchen. Yeah. Um, and her motivation is to please others. Um, and then we talked about the target, the target. as well. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's like, <laughs> it's so interesting in, in, uh, Wiseman's book, she, like the advice that she gives to parents is really interesting. <laughs> I of, Like bet. how to talk to right. your daughter and like how to figure out which one which of these one your daughter she... is. Right. <laughs> like, that's. Yeah, so, like, I kind of see, like, where she's coming from mm-hmm. with, like, outlining this, but at the same time, like, I I hope that parents who read this book aren't, like, getting caught up in, oh, my daughter, my daughter's a torn bystander, what do, what do yes. I do? Like, I hope that they, you know, yeah, parents, you know, realize that their children are people, hopefully, but... And hopefully the answer is, let's have a night where we discuss all the amazing right. things you are, and right, not yeah. like, so how does it feel to be a target? Like, right. like, so like, let's not continue that into the home at night, yeah. like the mom becomes the queen bee. Like, you can't sit with us. But it's, I think that it's really, it was really inventive of Tina Fey to yeah. take this nonfiction kind of almost like like social anthropology kind of work mm-hmm. and turn it into a screenplay um, and a high school comedy at that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, we mentioned this. It came out 15 years ago. Wow. So 2004, um, I... Just, like thought it was really interesting. This was only five years after the that kind of like explosion of teen comedies in 1999. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So I was looking into like there were well, I mean there are a lot of teen comedies in the 90s in general, but yeah. in 1999 alone, there are over 20 teen wow. movies. Um, yeah, so you have, like, Never Been Kissed, uh-huh. She's All That, Ugh. 10 Things I Hate About yes. You, Drive Me Crazy. That was my favorite, Drive Me Crazy. <laughs> oh, man. And I think that, uh, oh, and then, well, and then you have, like, the dark comedies yeah. that came out that year, too, like Drop Dead Gorgeous, which we love. Oh, my goodness. We love so much. That movie. Red five. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest line delivery ever. Oh, Why doesn't so Amy good. Adams have an Oscar for that <laughs> Um, and then, oh, and then you, I haven't seen it, but uh, you mentioned Jawbreaker. Saw it way too young. Terrified <laughs> me. Did not want to go to high school. No, thank right. You. Um, and then that, and then you also have Cruel Intentions yes. and Election. So the, yeah. the Reese Witherspoon duology. Right? Where <laughs> she plays too. the myriad of mean people. Yeah, these, well, not well, in Election, in cruel but in Cruel Intentions. In Cruel Intentions, yeah. She's like the opposite of her character in Election. Aw. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but Mean Girls was only five years after those. But to me, it feels like it's so much newer. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Uh, but I think that it really it struck a perfect balance between like the sharp and biting wit of those darker yeah. movies and kind of the earnestness and sweetness of the lighter comedies. Yeah. Um, oh, I put Clueless in here just because I love it so oh, much. Oh, I love Clueless. Um, but I think that. Uh, a natural comparison for Mean Girls is Heather's yes. from 1989, which I had not seen it. Mm-hmm. I watched it recently. Super scary. Did not like it. No, it's scary. It's like the shoulder pads yeah. and just like the casual homophobia. Casual, like, yeah. It's... Casual homophobia and huge shoulder pads are like not... the biggest offenses. Those are my two <laughs> least favorite things. Also, it's terrible. It's not... In in the way that Mean Girls is sometimes like dark, but then it has moments of lightness. Mm-hmm. There's no light in Heather's. No. It's scary, and it's just yeah, it's just like 
I wrote a review of it on Amazon. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, it's nihilistic and dated, and it's tacky, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was funny. I, I was, like, kind of digging around to find, like, at, like, reviews of Mean Girls from the time that it came out. Ooh, just kind of yeah. like some, like, yeah, yeah. archaeology kind of. Sure. <laughs> um, but I found this one from the Chicago Reader um, that mentions Heather. So I was like, oh, there we Ooh. go. Um, so this says, um, this high school satire is pleasantly acted and moderately funny, but it lacks the genuine bile that made Heather so bracing. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> like, such a funny um, way to put that. Yeah, that is really. So you like that Heather's is it's... like terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then I also did a little more digging and, uh, Hortense Smith of Jezebel did mm, this really Jezebel. great analysis, um, breaking down, um, the Heathers and the plastics from Mean yeah. Girls and kind of comparing them side by side. Ooh. Um, and, uh, I don't even, I don't even want to paraphrase. This is like a long quote that I'm going to read because love like it. all of it's so great. Yeah. Um, so she says, overall Mean Girl analysis, the Heathers. The Heathers were so bloody mean that they actually ended up killing each other or attempting to kill each other. Yeah. So spoiler, sorry. If you haven't seen Heathers... Don't bother. Um, <laughs> and you, you've had time. You've had time and to go see. You've this had movie. like thirty years. Um, and thanking God at their leader Heather Chandler's funeral for her death, the clique yeah. self-destructed under the weight of the cruelty. If it didn't, they'd all be dead due to their own demons and desire for power, or in Veronica Sawyer's case, a desire to escape the clutches of the Heather's once and for all. Yeah. The Heathers were the type of girls who would spit in your face and somehow manipulate manipulate you into apologizing to them for it. As far as mean girls go, it's hard to imagine any clique being meaner. But then she talks about the plastics. There's perhaps no greater single mean girl than Regina George. Though the Heathers, Heather Chandler, was crueler, she was also taken down by one of her own, while mm-hmm. Regina George was able to turn the tables back in her favor, proving that she is the master manipulator of the mean girl genre. However, her clique wasn't nearly as ruthless as the Heathers. Karen was just an idiot. <laughs> Which, well, we can talk about Karen later. We can. Um, um, and Gretchen yeah. Wieners was always on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Katie Heron eventually steered the group to a happy, sweet resolution, sucking the poison out of the plastics completely. They ended up being nice girls. The Heathers would have destroyed them, and Regina probably would have traded cafeteria tables and changed her <laughs> name to Heather George in 2.4 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, that's, that's great. And then I got this. I yeah. pulled this from Pinterest, probably, that has, like, the different, uh, like, girl clicks from movies. Yeah. So from the 70s, we've got the pink ladies in Greece. In the 80s, you've got the Heathers. The 90s, you've got Cher and Dion and Ty yeah. from Clueless. Um, and then the 2000s, you have the Plastics and Katie Heron. It's funny to me that in <laughs> Greece, like, Rizzo's mean, but she's humanized. And then mm-hmm. in other... Well, and really, Regina is yeah. humanized, too. Yeah. So there's just Heathers where everyone's awful. Yeah, pretty much. Ugh. Even the supposed hero is... A terrible, just a person. terrible, and then it was made into like, a what musical. Are you doing, which is Winona Ryder. Yeah, you're, come you're, on. you are Joe March to me. Yeah, can... <laughs> you got to be stronger. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know, I think any discussion of teen movies is incomplete without at least mentioning John Hughes. Oh yeah. I mean, he's oh, yeah. you know problematic fave, but yeah, you know, um, I especially see I see Katie as um, kind of a a descendant of uh, Samantha from Sixteen Candles. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's where that should be. Yeah, for that's sure. where that should be. And we, yeah. you know, I mean, we we can talk about John Hughes another time if you want. Oh, well, yeah, um, so we'll have a lot There would be say. a lot to talk about, but, you know, just... Entire characters we shouldn't just, really be talking about. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that just... In any discussion of teen comedies, you know, you gotta talk about John Hughes. It's true. That's, you just, uh, but in any discussion of uh, female-led comedies, I yeah. think I think we gotta we gotta talk about 
SNL. Right? Yeah, we got to talk about <laughs> the ladies kind of behind this. Um, so, just I'm just such a comedy nerd. I listen to comedy <laughs> Bang Bang, and as if I were you know dependent on it, I'm obsessed <laughs> for life, um, for, life <laughs> for happiness. So I. When I watch a movie like Mean Girls, I can't help but look at Tina Fey and then Amy Poehler um, and Anna Gasteyer, who plays um, Katie's mom, who is, I don't talk about this as much because she didn't have a memoir, so I don't, like, have more information about Mm -hmm. her. But um, But she should. She absolutely should. Anna Gasteyer read a memoir. She is hilarious. (laughs) I was watching her playing. come on our podcast. Please. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was watching her playing Martha Stewart because it's St. Patrick's Day. And there's a Martha. The Stewart, um, Anna Gasteyer, where she's um, was it the topless one? It's the one where she's putting green food coloring in everything just to make it. Maybe the topless one was on Mad TV. Never mind. Oh, I just think she's her character work is hilarious. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch a movie like Mean Girls, I really see it through the lens of someone who was on the receiving end of some quiet bullying in high school. Um, We had a Regina George and a Gretchen Wieners, and I was a little (laughs) bit bullied by them. Um, So I always think about that when I watch this movie um and I always besides Janice um I always also identify with Tina Fey's character because adults were always safe and nice to me so I always <laughs> like talk to them um and bossy pants yeah and her book bossy pants I she talks about pants. I know so great <laughs> she and especially I think I think of bossy pants as kind of um accompanying this movie so it talks oh, about okay. bossy pants talks about um, what happened to Tina Fey in these kind of formative years? She went. She talks about. Um, she goes to some drama summer camp, and she find finally like finds her niche. But in um, high school, she's very much an outcast, and she tells really personal details about like. There's a, a story about her going on a hike with a boy and just kind of being bullied and teased and all this awful stuff. So I really appreciate that she then would write a movie like this and take mm-hmm. the power away from those weird social things that are placed upon you in high school and make it about herself. Um, and then I really, um, in Tina Fey's book also, she talks about all this popularity and she makes, um, as a child and early adult, so many efforts to be popular. Um, she mm-hmm. talks a lot about this need for people to like us, especially as women, mm-hmm. which makes me think um, so many so many memories come to mind of my own upbringing of like, oh, they have to like me or uh-huh. else like what's going to happen in my life. You know, if yeah. you're unliked, like it's this whole big cloud when really it doesn't matter. You can like me. Right. Um, yeah. Um, that uh, um, when I read what you had written earlier, I uh, it made me think of. So I have just been like. <laughs> I've been like rewatching my DVD of Mean Girls, yeah. like on <laughs> repeat this past month, um, and watch like all the bonus featurettes. Um, and there's one uh, featurette they did about specifically about the casting, um, and uh, Lindsay Lohan, who plays Katie, um, she originally wanted to play Regina in mm, the movie, yeah, um, but she uh, they interviewed her for this featurette, and she's talking about. Um, how, like, she wanted to be Regina, but then she says, um, but I don't think, uh, I don't, this isn't a direct quote, but she's like, but I don't think I'm in a position where I can play a mean girl and still have people think that I'm nice. Wow. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, Lindsay. (laughs) She was like, I think she was like 16 when she filmed this. So I can, like, she is she was in that in that exact that exact like headspace developmental headspace yeah Yeah. it just made me like so sad but then it's interesting that like I think in Tina Fey's commentary or maybe it was also in that same uh, like little featurette she talks about Rachel McAdams who plays Regina um, in, you know, in, like, everyone's experience who's worked with Rachel McAdams, they all say she's, like, the most kind, the like, nice yeah. person totally. ever. Yeah. And she plays the mean girl. So, yeah, it's interesting, like, that, yeah. that they would have such different, like... 
Of course, Rachel McAdams was older at sure, the time. Sure, so. sure. I think, and obviously, disclaimer, like, we're not saying be mean people. Right. <laughs> but you're, like, there's a there's a fine line between being mean and being, like, finding your strength. Like, you don't have to be, like, not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that nice conversation, which is a whole other way I could talk for three hours about that. <laughs> Especially as someone, I think, we're both educators, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. But anyway. And people who just generally want other people to find their happiness and happiness and power and environment and all of that yeah um and that so um i also have to link this to um the other cameo that's in this movie as the cool mom mom. (laughs) and her novel or her memoirs um yes please um where she discusses these issues of self-esteem and of um, are all at the forefront of every essay in that book. Um, a through line that we see in Mean Girls, obviously, is that of self-esteem and figuring out how you like yourself and what you should be doing um, in terms of that. But it's exciting to me that Faye and Polar each wrote books highlighting their own insecurities as young adults, and then they were the ones involved in this movie, mm-hmm. which rightfully <laughs> places the Mean Girls in the context of a satire. Mm-hmm. So it should be laughable that we take the opinions of others so seriously, but as humans, that can be pretty palpable yeah. and upsetting, you know? So it's nice to see um, Faye and Polar looking back at these very real feelings from high school and laughing about them now and kind of the one who tells the story holds the power. Mm. And I love seeing a bunch of nerdy comedy geniuses sharing their stories <laughs> and reliving all of this. Um, so me. we, mm. um, I also, um, in thinking about Amy Poehler's book, I can't help but think about Another great Ugh. comedian, Miss Mindy Kaling. Our other girlfriend besides oh, Rachel McAdams. We love her, you guys. <laughs> um, I can't discuss any of this without thinking about her. Um, and specifically her second book, Why Not Me? Um, Kaling was a staff writer, story editor, and actress on The Office before writing two books and editing and starring in her own show, The Mindy Project. Um, mm. I highlight her work in Why Not Me. And she has a new movie coming out, too. Yeah, and the show <gasps> Champions. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you watch Champions? I haven't yet. Uh, it was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I'll try. I, I, re- she's not in it that much, but she... Dang it. I know. But she's She still... is in it, though. Okay. She's beautiful. Yeah, I love I her. <laughs> Ugh. I think, Come on the show, Mindy. Please. <laughs> I think specifically what's so important to me um, for Why Not Me is because she literally wrote the book on hearing that you're not whatever enough mm-hmm. and then pursuing your goals anyway, you know? The book's title and central point is exactly as it sounds. Why shouldn't I be the one to tell these stories? Why shouldn't I act and write and produce my truth? Why not me? Um, she, like Faye and Polar, also discusses all of the ways that people have responded to her decision to be confident in herself. Mm, They are not always positive. And although (laughs) she does not let these voices stop her, they do definitely have an effect, you know, as anyone, even if you don't agree with what someone is saying about you, it's still good. I've heard her talk about this, how, like, interviewers will ask her, like, Mindy, how are you so confident? And she's like, so basically what they're saying is that I shouldn't be confident I shouldn't because, be. you know, because, you know, I'm a woman and, you know, even, even more, she's a woman of color right. in yeah. a very, you know, a, a space that traditionally has marginalized yeah. people Absolutely. like her. Absolutely. And she's, and she, and she's like, no, like that's, what that's, do you mean? Like, what wh- do you mean? Why am I so <laughs> why confident? Am I like, confident? why wouldn't I be? Yeah. Or even in her like non-traditional, like she, She's a single mother. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's deciding she gets to live her life how she wants to. And I think that yeah. that is such an amazing thing. Um, and then I went a little <laughs> bit more comedic with my thoughts on Mean Girls. And, well, thinking of another comedic actress, I always think of Carrie Brownstein. That's not Carrie Brownstein. That's not. I have a picture of Fred Armisen, (laughs) who she plays with in Portlandia. And I think um, another place where I think a writer is doing just an excellent job of social commentary, especially about being true to yourself, is Carrie Brownstein and her work in Portlandia. Um, She plays characters that are very funny and often absurd, but at the center of that absurdity is always an honesty, and it's always Mm -hmm. an honest 
um, take on a character who just wants to be who they are, you know? <laughs> you always feel as though these characters are making decisions for themselves because they have decided they're going to be true to themselves. Well, it's Portland. Yeah, and you get to dream of the 90s alive. Um <laughs> We see this especially in characters like Tony of the Women and Women First Bookstore. My absolute favorite. Sketch. I love. I know. <laughs> I I was raised in Ojai, California, and we always joke that we were raised in the Women and Women First Bookstore. Um, and it links to. I think it links to the social hierarchies of Mean Girls because oh. Candace Armisen's counterpart to Brownstein is always telling um, Brownstein's character Tony what to do. Hmm. Candace is always tell, trying to be a mean girl who runs the shop. She kind of openly wants that status of being the <laughs> boss. But then, because they're old, they're like adults, Tony <laughs> never listens to Candace and calls her out all the time for this behavior. So in a way, I think the women of the Women and Women First Bookstore could kind of be older versions of Regina George and Katie. So I'm just picturing like I mean it's pretty if good. Did, if they did a sequel, it'd be like <laughs> please Rachel McAdams and Lindsay Lohan. Oh my <laughs> god. Oh, it's too it, it would be perfect. Because Candace has like an obsessive fascination with Tony and puts her down constantly, but usually wants her around. Mm. And I see this mirrored in the first few parts of Mean Girls when Regina George is reaching out to Katie. Mm -hmm. She seems to have kind of that same bizarre fascination with her. What is it? Do you think it's because like she sees her as a threat? Uh, Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. I think she sees all of this good in Katie and says, well, shoot, like Uh this might be the next queen bee. Like I need to kind of, which I, in kind of a funny way, I think is what Candace is doing to Tony in the women and women's first bookstore too. And there's this weird hate love thing that goes on there. Um, yeah. So, um, (laughs) I'm just kind of fascinated with the way people approach that bizarre fascination turning into a threat and then all of a sudden you're mean but also idolizing someone Hmm. it's this whole and we see that all the time at least i did this summer working with teenage girls you know it's kind of a cycle that repeats (laughs) itself and we gotta stop it friends um and Carrie Brownstein's portrayal of Tony is always a strong rejection mm-hmm. of all of these power plays that Candace is constantly attempting to throw at her. So these women in Portlandia remind me of Regina and Katie if they were to move to Portland as adults <laughs> and still maintain a few oh, of their social like, hierarchy. I can't, I'm trying to picture Regina in like that outfit. <laughs> she could rock some Birkenstocks. Um, and then um, I'm only just beginning to read Carrie Brownstein's book. Um, hunger makes she wrote a book. yeah. Oh she's gosh. she wrote um, hunger makes me a modern girl, and the first few chapters of this biography address similar issues, um, specifically the long journey to finding the parts of you that make you happy. Brownstein discusses how being funny and creating characters has always been a part of her life, and that this ability for humor um, was a coping mechanism in junior high and high school as she navigated these hierarchies and figuring herself out. Um, And I just had to say, I look up to these women so much for making the social Mm -hmm. strain that they have experienced into funny narratives about being strong and excited about who you are and who you get to be in this journey of life. And I look to these women every time I feel insecure. So thank you to all of those (laughs) powerful ladies. I know you're all listening. Yeah, oh my gosh, all of you should come on. Um, At the same time. Please. Please do. And then just a little note, Brownstein (laughs) um, recently directed an episode of the new um, A.D. Bryant show, Shrill, on Hulu. Which is created by Lindy West. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It looks really good. I haven't watched it yet. I just, and it's the same, I won't go into it too much, um, (laughs) but it's the same story of finding your strength in a world that kind of tells you you don't Mm. get to. Um, so yeah. that's so interesting that so many women's stories are framed yeah. around that, like totally figuring out that it's okay to be who you who are you want to be. in yeah. a world that's telling, trying to tell you how to be yeah. as a woman. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like it's an important story, but I also feel like it 
we should be moving on from that Absolutely. by now, Absolutely. shouldn't we? Yeah. Like, we were just listening yeah. to uh, the Bechdel cast episode on Captain Marvel, yes. and they were talking about how, like, you know, in we're, we're getting way off topic here, but in Captain Marvel, um, Carol is always shown at, like, in comparison to all the men around her, uh-huh. which is, like... Like, her strength and her power are shown, like, you know, in, like, in comparison to men. Yeah. And, like, that's true to life. So, like, it's true to life that women, you know, are constantly fighting against what the world has told us we should be. Yeah. But, and, and, so that makes the story true to life, but I, I guess... Like, the world needs to be better before right? we can stop telling that story, I guess. It I don't know. It absolutely does. Uh, that's... Didn't mean to get all down. No, I... It's something <laughs> I think about. I, um... Without getting too into my personal life, like, I tutor and I kind of mentor young women. And it's something that I think about all the time. Is yeah. this, like... Shoot, you guys. We gotta stop having... <laughs> this is where we are. How do where... educators... <laughs> accidentally perpetuate this you know like what am i saying to keep yeah totally yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) that's like part of the reason why i am not really an educator in the traditional sense anymore yeah yeah um yeah so let that's um that's heavy um (laughs) well you were just talking about women in comedy it's true um which you know traditionally is a very male-dominated yes. field. Yeah. Um, so, and that's one way that Mean Girls has kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, you know, I think, like, looking back, like, so, like, we do, we have started to have, like, more, um, you know, female-driven, like, female cast yeah. comedies. Like, yeah. Bridesmaids, I think, was, like, was like oh, a huge deal. Yeah. I love Bridesmaids. Um, but, you know, another field... That Mean Girls has kind of um, a like male-dominated field that Mean Girls kind of makes a female foray into is STEM. Yes. Katie Heron is a woman in STEM. Oh, I love it. She's a mathlete, um, and she, you know, she tells uh, Damien that you know math is the same in every language. Oh, <laughs> so good. Which I, I mean, technically, that's like. Not true, though, because you can speak French and do math, Katie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's not a woman. No, she says it's the same in every country. That's what she says. Okay. I was going to say, anyway, she's not a woman um, of literature. She's a woman in STEM. She's a woman in STEM. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting um, because in Mean Girls, um, you know, Katie's really good at math, um, but she uh, eventually kind of starts um, pretending that she is not good at math. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and like, when people talk about this, we talk about, like, oh, she pretends she's bad at math so that a boy will like her. But that's not really what happens. Sure. What happens is that she's trying to spend more time with this boy. Yes. And she, um, it's not that she thinks that he'll like her more if she's bad at math. It's that she thinks that, that's an easy way to spend time with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he is like tutoring her, but in order for that to happen, she has to pretend she's bad enough. So it's not mm-hmm. quite as like yeah grim as sure, but it's still not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really yeah really interesting talking about women in STEM. Uh, there. I mean, there's all these, like, different studies about, you know. Yeah. Um, there was this article that I found, though, when I was researching this um, from uh, the Daily Texan, but it was a study that was done. I don't remember who actually did the study. Um, well, we can put it in the post. But uh, <laughs> um, so it was a study on um, uh, heterosexual college women um, who said that they wanted to date men who were smarter than they are, which, oh, wow. like, okay, there's a, whole, oh, a lot to there, unpack there. There's a um, lot, but, yeah. Uh, but they, so these women showed a worse performance on a math test, less wow. interest in math, and a decreased desire to go into a STEM field. Wow. But men who said that they preferred smarter women did not experience similar mm. reduced math scores or decreased interest in STEM fields. Wow. Yeah, I 
Okay. I, d- I don't know what to Not, say about that. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you guys, uh, all you listeners out there, you can read the article and Feel draw your feels. own conclusions. Yeah. Um, but there's this other great one. This is from uh, the Radical Idea blog hmm. uh, run by Randy Saunders. Um, so she, uh, her blog kind of like looks at um, women in STEM. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, uh, and I think she kind of covers other topics too, but in this particular post, she's writing about, um, how women in these traditionally male fields are portrayed in film. Oh, um, so yeah. she's talking about Mean Girls. Um, yeah. and again, this is like a really big block of text that I'm just going to read the whole thing because the whole thing's quotable. Yeah. Um, so she says, in fairness, Mean Girls does its best to poke fun of the geek girl gets makeover plotline but it does so simply by taking that plot to its logical extreme katie Mm. heron the film's protagonist is absurdly good at math we learn this incredibly early in the movie but she is talked out of joining the mathletes because it's social suicide and turns into a her words vapid brat over the course Mm -hmm. of the film i don't like that choice of word okay only to snap back to her nerdiness at the end her math teacher, played by the wonderful Tina Fey, even points out that she would love to have a girl on the team just so the team could meet a girl. Oh, dear. Yes. No. So that's, yeah, Tina Fey, problematic fave. Okay. Oh, um, man. Highlighting the lack of girls involved in these kinds of activities and, again, pointing out the line between geekiness and popularity. Yeah. Katie becomes a non-threatening presence as she gives up what I'm just going to call her math superpower in order to be popular and try to gain a guy's attention, which again, as I pointed out, it's not quite that simple, but okay. Um, sure. Looked at as a satire, the movie points out the absurd expectations of girls in high school dealing with body image and sexuality, but never actually solves for the reality that geek girls get written off. But why are we so focused on these women's looks? Yes. The actual reality is this. When geek girls aren't portrayed as pretty or sexy, they aren't treated as girls. That's not only true of films and television, but real life as well. Mm -hmm. This is why conventionally feminine women are more likely to be accused of being fake geek girls and less likely to be taken seriously. They're also more likely to be reminded that they are women and that women are bad at math and science and to be slowly pushed out of the field. Wow. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, too. So, as someone who is not a woman in STEM, (laughs) I I do still kind of see this, like... Yeah. Like, I mean, any, you know field that is yeah. traditionally male dominated whether it's comedy whether it's stem fields yeah there is this like kind of like it's like a second tier yeah view of women in those fields and like oh you're a girl and you want to do math that's cute and even, you're not like all the other girls because you're good at math right like, <laughs> even in my teacher training program we were just talking about how we all put on makeup to go on job interviews mm, because it makes us feel prepared sure, sure, sure. yeah even in a woman dominated field um like early education there's still that need to look pretty in order to get hired mm-hmm. like gross you guys yeah no yeah Ugh. that's there's a lot not great <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Um, and then I just, uh, I should stop Googling things when I do research <laughs> for this because no, when so I good. was like searching for this, uh, for, you know, articles about this topic, um, just kind of reinforcing this idea, um, the UK newspaper, the Daily Mail posted an article that was simply about the fact that the actress who plays Carolyn Craft, the other girl who's at the mathlete competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it um, is actually super pretty in real life. Like, that was the entire article. There was an entire post just to say, oh, hey, this girl oh, how... who's nerdy in this movie, she's actually pretty, guys. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Big news day. Wow. <laughs> oh. Um, but uh, since we're on this topic of... Uh, 
Katie as a woman in STEM. Are you Uh-oh, ready for I'm, a dramatic reading? I'm shimmying again. This one's right. I'm excited. Ready? So, um, should we preface this at all, or do you... We can say, okay, so Katie, <laughs> so Katie uh, wants to spend more time with Aaron Samuels. I mean, he has a dream boat. He is pretty cute. Um, <laughs> Come on very, the podcast. Like a young, a young Jimmy Fallon. Yes! <laughs> um, but he, uh, so she decides that, um, you know, she's going to pretend to be bad at math so that Aaron Samuels can tutor her. Uh-huh. But the funny thing is, she's better at math than he is. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Um, but, so this is their tutoring session okay are you ready Uh, i sure am and action so what did you get for this one well the first time i did it i got zero wrong but then when i checked it i got one there you go i got one too yeah you have to check it because sometimes the product of two negative integers is a positive number yeah like negative four and negative six that's right That, that that that's good well, you're a good tutor. Man, and then they curse. Man, look, I I can't do this. <laughs> it's not fair to Regina. Why do you like her? Look, I know she can be really mean sometimes, but... Then why do you like her? Why do you? Look, there's good and bad to everybody, right? Regina's just... She's just more upfront about oh, it. Oh, no. It was coming up. The word vomit. I didn't mean to say it, but... She's cheating on you! What? And scene. And scene. <laughs> That's so great. Yay! Wow. We're so good. Um, so <laughs> I picked that scene because it's a perfect kind of illustration of this whole idea of of Katie kind of uh, holding back her her intelligence and her abilities to try to fit in and try yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but it's also Aaron Samuels has this great line. Yeah. Um, about uh, when he says, um, you know, there's good and bad in everybody, and Regina's just more upfront about it. Um, yeah. That make, made me think of, uh, <laughs> we're going to get, like, super literary here, Erin, for a minute. I'm always, I, like, I was super literary. an English liter- major. <laughs> I'm always, like, super um, literary. <laughs> uh, William Makepeace Thackeray's novel, Vanity Fair. I know, oh, yes. we're another Reese Witherspoon movie, BT Dubs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's a social satire, which we talked about Mean Girls as social satire yeah. earlier. So, um, you know, there's a really great tradition of literary social satire, like Jonathan Swift. Yeah, totally. Did a lot. Um, yeah, and uh, I think Vanity Fair is a great um, comparison from Mean Girls. Um there was uh so there's this dude named Lord David Cecil who nice. who wrote um he wrote about um early Victorian novelists um and his, in his writing in 1934 he uh, wrote that Thackeray that's the author of Vanity Fair liked people and for the most part he thought them well intentioned but he mm-hmm. also saw very clearly that they were all, in some degree, weak and vain, self-absorbed, and self-deceived. So that's, like, very similar to what Aaron, the astute observer of human nature, says about Regina. And how, like, you know, everyone has some some bad qualities to them. Um, But before we get too far into it, I'll just, for anyone who, you know, doesn't, isn't familiar with the novel, I'll just tell you real quick. Um, so it's an English novel. It's written by William Makepeace Thackeray. It follows the lives of two women, Becky Sharp and Amelia Sedley. Um, and it's it it takes place during and after the Napoleonic Wars. So, yeah. like, early 19th century. Sure. Um, it was first published from 1947 to 1948, and it was serialized, like, a lot of novels were, Uh Um, and it carried the subtitle, Pen and Pencil Sketches of English Society. Oh. Um, So, yeah, so it's a satire, it is a social satire Mm -hmm. of early 19th century British society, Um, and Thackeray actually drew illustrations, his own illustrations, to accompany the text. Interesting. Um, Yeah, Um, and then it, you know, it was published as a single volume in 1848. Um, and the subtitle as for the single volume uh, was yeah. a novel without a hero. 
just Ooh, really I interesting. Love that. Yeah. Um, so Thackeray's interest was really in just deconstructing his era's conventions regarding literary heroism. Because, um, you know, yeah. if you look at the novels, so, you know, 1840s, if you look at the, all the novels that came before that, even like Dickens, who was around the same time, yeah. very much like hero driven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So he's kind of like deconstructing that idea. Um, it's sometimes considered, um, this is in quotation marks, the principal founder of the Victorian domestic novel. Oh. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned, it is a social satire. Uh-huh. It's satirizing English society as a whole, um, which is characterized by hypocrisy mm-hmm. and opportunism. Um, but it's important to note that um, there's no, like, kind of like we were talking about with Heathers. Like, there's no redemption to it. Like, it's just, like, it's, there's no, you know, reformation. There's no suggestion that, like, there can be, like, a social or political change that, to, like, make it more moral or more reformed or, you know, to improve it. Um, So it's kind of a grim picture of of English society. Um, It paints a really bleak view of the human condition, um, and then that is continued with Thackeray's, um, his role as, well, his narrator's role. We don't know if Thackeray is actually himself the narrator, but the narrator's sure. role um, is an omniscient narrator, um, and he uses this technique a lot. But it, it's, an, it's an interesting technique in the social satire because you can the narrator knows what every character is thinking and so yeah. can tell mm-hmm. you, like, um, you know, this character is doing this and it appears very pious, but it's really for this reason. Yeah. Like, they're just trying to get ahead. Totally. Um, so it's a, you know, a really um, great use of that kind of narrator. Yeah. Um, he uh, he offers asides about his characters, comparing them to actors and puppets. Um, and he's kind of the puppet master. I love that. Um, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and then he also even goes as far as like speaking directly to the readers and kind of, um, kind of saying like, if you're interested in this, it's because, um, you know, you're like, it's like voyeurism. Like you want to see like people acting in, in, you know, even like a vicarious kind of, um, yeah. So really, really interesting social commentary. Very Um, human. Yes. We like to watch Very each other make social choices. anthropology. Yeah. Which definitely plays into themes in Mean Girls. Um, totally. And then especially, I think, a really great parallel um, between the two on um, Katie's character arc in Mean Girls is reflected in the character of Amelia Sedley in Vanity Mm -hmm. Fair. So Amelia begins the story as this very warm-hearted and friendly girl. She befriends Becky Sharp, who is, um, who's, uh, poor and kind of an outcast. She befriends her and brings her into her home. Um, uh, but she's also, she's also, Amelia's kind of portrayed as like kind of sentimental and naive, um, okay. And then, like, over the course of the story, she becomes more and more, um, like, more and more caught up in material things. Yeah. And more and more, uh, like, caught up in, like, the kind of social yeah. hierarchy and social climbing, like like Becky does. Um, which sure. is kind of the same thing that happens to Katie. Yeah. Um, but Katie does eventually figure out. Yeah. You know, and Amelia does too. Amelia okay. really does have a yeah, yeah. Good. She yeah. I think she's all right. Um, <laughs> she turned out fine. She turned out fine. Um, <laughs> another author I mentioned as doing a lot of really great social satire, Jonathan Swift. Yes. Um. So I mean, Gulliver's Travels is full of it, but I think mm. uh, I think. I think his best example of social satire is a modest proposal. Um, yeah. Which uh, the full title is A Modest Proposal for Preventing the Children of Poor People from Being a Burden to Their Parents or Country and for Making Them Beneficial to the Public. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, written and published anonymously by Swift uh-huh. in 1729. So, oh, geez. super yeah. old. Yeah. It's older than America. <laughs> 
Um, so the essay, if you've read it before, mm-hmm. so it suggests that the impoverished Irish people can ease their economic woes by selling their children to the aristocracy, um, like, as food, like, for them to eat. Um, A classic St. Patrick's Day uh, yeah. tale for this oh, St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day. <laughs> Ireland. Oh, um, so it's uh, it's a great <laughs> example of hyperbole yeah. in satire, um, so, and it's really mocking the heartless attitudes that the aristocracy and the upper classes had toward the poor, yeah, um, as well as um, British, you know, English policy toward the Irish in general, yeah. which is not historically great. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't have obviously doesn't have as clear ties. Um, to Mean Girls as Vanity Fair does, but you know, I think it's it is worth mentioning because yeah. you can find a lot of um, really uh, biting social commentary. Yeah, that absolutely. That I think that uh, that Mean Girls also really gets that as well. I agree. And we have uh, I have links to all of these articles, and I'd like to point <sighs> out that one of them is from JSTOR, which is an uh-huh. academic article archive. Yeah. So you know we're getting really researchy here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but moving from Jonathan Swift, by Swift to our favorite literary boyfriend, William Shakespeare. Uh, Not he's... really. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't date no. him. No. I wouldn't date William Shakespeare. No, he's not. <laughs> he's nothing to shake a spear at. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't like do any research on this, but uh, there is this book coming out next month called "Much Do About Mean Girls." Yes, that I was super excited about um, because it's by the same guy who wrote William Shakespeare's Star Wars. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so great, and we're we're. Before we started the show, we were reading the the Amazon uh, the Amazon page has like a preview of it. It looks it's so good, so you guys. Good. It's so good. Um, and I'm thinking maybe we should just we already did a dramatic reading, but we didn't do a dramatic reading for the Hunger Games episode. So we gotta make we can it do up. Two. Mm-hmm. We got a certain amount of theatrical so, hours. Yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> It's really only like the first couple scenes that they have in the preview. The book isn't out yet, otherwise I would it would be in my hands right now. Yes, we'd be um. <laughs> Oh, I'd like this part. Should we do this? Yeah. Or, or this. Um Oh here, let's start right here. Do you okay. wanna be Janice? Sure. Okay. Sit not upon that seat, or thou shalt be in trouble with one Kristen Hadley, she whom thou didst think was teacher unto us. For her small boyfriend shall assume that seat. <laughs> Enter Kirsten Hadley's boyfriend sitting next to her and kissing her. Hello, diminutive red-headed love. They kiss. Kitty looks for another seat. Did not I speak the words and prove them true? Sit not there either, for the boy in front is flatulent beyond all remedy. <laughs> Gassy student aside. <laughs> oh, shame to have a reputation <laughs> thus. I am for gas renowned. <laughs> but hath a soul that longeth for a song composed of words. Say I, hail poetry, thou heaven-born maid, indeed thou gildest in the farter's trade. <laughs> this book's going to be amazing. We're so excited for it. I think it. You're, we do need shirts that say, I am for gas renowned. <laughs> I really feel that that speaks to my person as just so true most of the time. Um, yeah. Who would have thought Shakespeare and Mean Girls? thought you were going to say other things about my gassy state. Who would have thought, <laughs> Who would have thought this Aaron this... <laughs> would be such a gassy. Such a gassy lady. <laughs> we're getting real personal. Um... <laughs> we're just opening up. <laughs> just, uh... <laughs> it's, I can't veil it any longer, you guys. This is who, this is who I am. Um, yeah, I think we all, I think Ariana Grande would agree. Yeah, With that um, you know she had she has that video that. Thank just, you. Next. Yeah, which you know is like an aggressively mediocre pop song, but the, yeah. the video is really fun. It, yeah, I I watched it like three times in a row, like trying to pick out all the yeah. all the movie references in it. So she has like obviously Mean Girls, 
and bring it on and 13 going on 30 and legally blonde which i think Ugh. i think um all of those movies um are kind of uh like a referenced to to mean not reference but like they're all kind of in that same vein yeah as to- totally yeah. yeah yeah um but it's interesting in the video um ariana identifies herself with regina that is interesting. Isn't that, yeah. Huh. Um, so I wonder if she's taken the which mean girls are you quick. Yeah, perhaps it's all BuzzFeed. She's like, oh, this is who I am oh, then. BuzzFeed has it. told me. Um, I gotta do it. But That did, is interesting. <laughs> did you, Who did you say you were when, in the quiz? I got Gretchen. Oh. Which I don't. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. Is really. your hair full of secrets? Yeah, but they're just about my students. <laughs> they're just so I can help them learn. <laughs> Who did I got, get? I think I got Katie. Uh-huh. But I, like, I don't see myself as Katie. I definitely, when I was that age, I really identified with Katie. Well, yeah, sure. But now I'm like, I wish I was Janice. Yeah, of course. But I also kind of like, like re-watching the movie, I think, uh, like, we've talked about kind of the same thing with, like, Paris from Gilmore Girls yeah. or, like, Cordelia from Buffy. How, like, yeah. as you get older, like, uh-huh. you like the mean girl more. Well, right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, and you kind of see a little more. I think maybe part of it is just that, like, with maturity comes empathy. Yeah. And so you kind of, like, see, like... You understand a little more why she is the way she is. Yeah. Especially when you see, like, you know, her her mom her and kind ma- of, oh my like, goodness. her little sister yeah. and the things that her little sister is, like, allowed to be doing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you kind of see a little more, I don't know. Yeah. And also, like, she just, like, you have to love something about a girl who has figured out that she, like, that she, she's figured out how to, like, game the system that well, she's right. in. Yeah, she's super right? strong. Yeah, you know? and she, and I, well, and I love that at the end of the movie, she ends up, like, playing sports. Yeah. And channels, like, all of her, yeah. all of her strength into that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. But, I just think it's so interesting that, like. Well, and it's Rachel McAdams, so of We just love her. Like, so much yeah it's really and it's it's a sad thing to see this like i feel like she she feels the social pressure too yeah, to survive she definitely you does. know so like yeah she makes terrible decisions and those aren't ever gonna be okay but it's like she's learned how to s- survive high school mm-hmm. you know like just interesting yeah well and it's so interesting like you know, at the end, not at the end, but, like, during that sequence where, like, they're kind of, like, taking Regina down, Mm -hmm. and she comes to school wearing sweatpants, and she sits down, and, and Gretchen is like, um, Regina, you're, you're wearing sweatpants. We're not, we're not supposed to wear sweatpants today. Yeah. And Regina's like, those rules aren't real. Like, exactly. (laughs) It's like her naming, like, these aren't real things. Yeah. And then, like, and then you also like feel sympathy for her in yeah. that moment too because totally. she's she's like these sweatpants are the only thing that fits me right now. Yeah. And you just feel so like yeah. <laughs> It's a fascinating flip there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Lots of stuff so to think great. about. Oh my gosh. I think we need to watch the movie again. I think so too. We should order <laughs> pizza again. And we can oh and we can record a commentary for it. Yes. Yes. Um yeah, definitely. Um but uh, definitely you should uh, check out and figure out which Mean Girls character you are. Yeah. On the blog post, thepopdna.wordpress.com. And also, you should buy something from Amazon yeah. by clicking on our, our links. And go go talk about some young adult fiction. Yes. With- some cool, awesome people who we're partnering with. Yes. Shout out to you guys. Woohoo. All right. Um, well, uh, did you have anything more that you wanted to talk about? Be nice to yeah. each other. Be nice to each other. Please. Be a woman in STEM. Be if, a woman in STEM. If if that is the path that you want yes. to take. 
don't don't feel like you have to be a woman in STEM. No, we don't want to pressure but, you. Oh no, we're the problem. Oh no. <laughs> Okay. Be, be a woman who does what she wants Whatever to do. Whatever she wants to. Yes. <laughs> or, or a man. Or a man. Be, be who you or are. Or a person. Be a person. Be who you are. Be a person who you are. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're really great at this. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fetch. <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh, okay. All right, guys. Well, um, thanks for listening and putting up with our... <laughs> You love it. You know you, you love, love it. it. Um, yeah, and we'll, uh, well, we can maybe uh, announce what we're talking about next month, too. Ooh. Ooh. Another strong lady. Another strong woman who beats up bad guys. With fangs. Bad guys with fangs. She doesn't have fangs. She doesn't, well, well, she does in well, that dream one time, right? Uh, yeah, that one time. Yeah. Um, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, And we're talking about that show next month. When I was 10, Buffy I had a crush on David Boreanaz. Well, who we'll didn't? Get into it. He was a... Who mm, didn't? He is gorgeous. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Tune right. in next month to Pop DNA. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you later. Bye, friends. <laughs>